I want to welcome a very, very special guest, Kyle Lowry, to the Pull Up Pod. The path I've taken has made me who I am because from the age of 28 to now, I still work like I'm that guy back in the day. I still work as hard as I am. Like, yo, I'm still proving myself every single day because I know how hard it was to get here. And I remember the coach came and was like, yeah, Kyle, um, you're going to be the backup. And I remember it like it was like mentally disturbing. I'm like, yo, I'm 21 years old. I'm just like, I know I can play this game and you're not given a chance. I never put doubt in myself. It just built character to say, yo, things ain't gonna be perfect, but you got to stick with your guts and know and believe in yourself. Unfortunately, fortunately, we won on the road. When the confetti dropped in San Fran and Oracle, it is the greatest high besides your kids. It's the greatest high that you ever have as an athlete. And the crazy part is, only thing I could think about was how do I get back there? Welcome to the Pull Up Podcast, episode number 120. And the only fun fact of the day is that it's Tim Hardaway's birthday. Tim Hardaway Sr. So shout out to Timmy, the Between Cross. Currently in Oregon after a long trip to the East Coast where I was able to visit family. I spent some time in Ohio, spent some time in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I was able to actually go back to the university and work out a little bit, spend some time in New York. Shout out to my guy, Trey. I went to Jamaica for his wedding. Shout out to my father-in-law, turning 65. We had a dope birthday party with the Tiki Hut. It was a great experience, a lot of fun. Memories were created, work was done all in between. And now I'm back to the Northwest, handling business, getting ready for the season, and just kind of enjoying life. This is one of the, the better parts of the year as the fall transitions in, football transitions in, as well as basketball. The weather's still nice in Oregon, so the dog walks are nice. It's it's fun to be outside and allow Fiona to run around. And the crazier part of this time of the year is that trades are still happening, and we end up trading DJ. Shout out to my guy, Derek Jones Jr. Had a great year with you. Um, I'm sure we'll be friends for the foreseeable future. We trade him for Larry Nance, a fellow Ohioan in the Lori Marketing deal. Um, first and foremost, this is just a tough part of the business, like losing players. But hopefully DJ is going to a situation where he'll be able to play, be able to show his game and be able to continue to evolve uh, based on what he's been able to accomplish up to this point. For us, we get Larry Nance, an Ohio guy, a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's smart. He can play the pick and roll. He can also defend the rim. He can defend on the perimeter, can shoot. I think he shot at least 36% from three the last few seasons. He's obviously a guy who can finish around the basket. He has a half hook, and he can make decisions in the pick and roll uh, when he gets the ball in the short roll. So I'm looking forward to seeing you know, how he can continue to help us uh, take that next step. Uh, he's definitely a value add. He's definitely a guy who understands how to play the game, knows what needs to be done in order to win. And um, it's going to be a big year for us. So welcoming Larry Nance, saying goodbye to my guy DJ, and hoping this season is everything it should be and more. Stay tuned because we got a lot to discuss. We got my guy Kyle Lowry coming on, and we had a incredible conversation. We talked about his upbringing, his childhood, his relationship with his brother, how that's kind of shaped him. We've discussed, obviously, his time in Toronto, winning the championships, some great anecdotes about DeMar DeRozan, one of the better Drake stories you'll ever hear. 
and now his time in Miami and so much more. So stay tuned. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us with a five-star review. Share the show with a friend and tell that friend to tell a friend. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod for fresh content all season long. It's my favorite part of the podcast. I want to welcome a very, very special guest. Before I do, I have to give you the background. And this particular player has one hell of a background. Six-time NBA All-Star, All-NBA Third Team in 2016, won an NBA championship with the Raptors in 2019, won a gold medal in the 2016 Olympics, drafted in the first round, the 24th overall pick out of Villanova after two years. Oh, by the way, he has this jersey retired. Number one, hangs in the Raptors, in the Raptors, in the Raptors at Nova. First in Raptors history in assists, steals, threes, triple doubles. Raptors had never experienced 50 wins in a season before Kyle Lowry showed up. After he joined the team, they had five in a row, plus a 49-win season and a 48-win season. He will become the first ever player to have his jersey retired with the Raptors. Oh, and by the way, he just signed for three years. $90 million. I want to welcome Kyle Lowry to the Pull Up Pod. Welcome, my brother. How you doing? Listen, you made me feel like I'm actually somebody. Damn, I, I felt good about myself right there. You are definitely somebody, not only to everybody, but uh, to the people that matter. And first of all, I appreciate you joining the pod. I'm happy you got another bag. Inspirational. Um, a guy who's done it the inconventional way, had to kind of work his way up, has been traded, has gone through a lot of things. But first, I want to, I want to take it back to your childhood, right? I grew up in a single parent household. My parents got divorced when I was three years old, so I kind of understand what that's like. You had a brother. I had a brother. Let's let's speak to like the type of role he played in your life. I heard stories about how he was reading the newspaper, you know, trying to find AAU teams for you. Um, kind of describe the relationship you and your brother had and, and currently have and how that's impacted who you are today. Uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me come on your podcast. You know I mean, it's one of the you know top podcasts out there, you know, our NBA. Our NBA Brotherhood, we have podcasts out there, but this is one of them that I, I, I you asked me to be on. I, I no hesitation. I said yes. So, I mean, what you're doing is unbelievable. You know, the Pull Up Podcast, you know, we know your game is actually a fitting podcast name for you, but what you're doing is showing, um, you know, the, the, the versatility of us uh, athletes. You know, we're not just athletes. We have uh, special abilities in all facets of life. And it's not just about basketball. It's about um, learning. It's about investing. It's about um, growing the youth. And, you know, this opportunity that you've given me to be on your podcast, I appreciate it. Um, but, you know, with all that I said, so, yeah, you know, growing up in that single parent, you know, family home, you know, I had my mom, my mom, my grandma, and my brother, um, you know, it was kind of one of the things where you, you know, your brother is your father, right? He is the guy that is, you look up to him, you look for him for advice, you look for him to um, <laughs> beat up people when you have a, you know what I'm saying, when you, when you have a fight, you know, I mean, there's many times when my brother stepped in and, and he, he had to fight two people for me, you know, at one time. And, you know, my brother meant everything to me. Um, and he was the guy that kind of, pushed me and, and let me be me, right? He was the guy like, look, 
you know, this is how we're going to be. You know, we don't need anybody. And that was the one thing about it and about my childhood is that my brother put this thing in my head, which, you know, sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. It was, you know, we don't need nobody. We're going to do it. We're going to make it no matter what, no matter how it happens. And, you know, he kept me out of the, the BS, right? He, had me, he kept me out of the bullshit with um, the street gangs and the, the, the corners and, and being around the wrong people. He always let me play with the older guys. My brother's five years older than me. So, I mean, I'm eight, he's 13. I'm playing with the big boys, right? I'm getting, I'm playing football, tackle football, street football, you know, basketball, all that, all that stuff. Um, you know, but he, I guess he found that I, I was really good at basketball. And it wasn't that I was the most talented, but I just played hard. And if you guys, back in the day, you know, I'm not going to age myself. Um, the, the, the newspapers were more relevant than Instagram and, you know, the, the social media feeds. So my brother used to look at the daily news and I was like 12 years old. And um, he used to look for ads or whatever. And there was an ad. And I remember it, it was like probably that big. And it was like, fill up your Patriot signups. Uh, tryouts, Cal- Calgary Rec, uh, Calgary Rec Recreational Center, up in uh, Northeast Philadelphia, and Calgary probably is like a right now like thirty five minute drive from my house, and like you know sign up, and he was like, "Yo, wrote the paper out, we're gonna do it," and that's how like I you know I was playing the street leagues, we all grew up street leagues playing, you know, pick up outside whatever, but that's how I started started to really get into indoor basketball. Before that. You know, you play a couple of indoor leagues, but nothing that serious. You know, you get to that point, you start playing indoor. No, that's a that's a really dope story. And I'm glad you shared that because I think it's important for people to understand that a lot of times in our journeys, someone sees the dream and believes in us before we do. And I think that empowerment kind of helps shape who we are today. And to share a story for you, my brother, I was coming out, obviously, I wasn't. I was lightly recruited and all of that stuff. My brother put together bios. He put together film for me. And sent it out to college schools in hopes that they would recruit me. Like, literally, like, yo, CJ McCollum, whatever, whatever, 5'10 points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, ACT score, GPA. Like, he's hoping that, like, yo, they see your ACT GPA, like, maybe they'll want you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think I think the, the parallels between that, like, me having a big brother, you having a brother, I think that that's important. There's a lot of stories like that that don't necessarily get shared. So I appreciate you you sharing that. You discuss growing up in in Philadelphia, right? The understanding of the violence, the understanding of the toughness that comes with playing in the streets, playing in the parks. I got in some of my first fights outside of the household with my brother at the parks. So kind of describe how that shaped your toughness, your mentality. Like you take charges. I remember coach showed me film of you taking charge. And I was like, yo, I'm not built like that. I can't be taking charge. I might get hurt. Like talk about how that shaped your mentality to how you perform and play to this day. So, you you know, as you know, right. Having older brothers, you're trying to keep up. Right. And you got to play with the older group. So that's, I'm, I'm, Say I'm 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 11. He's 15. His him and his friends are 15 also, and 15, 16 year old. And you know I don't want no 11 year old in the court. Like you know my brother would put me on his team because it's my brother. But there has to be a you have to affect the game somehow, some way. So me being that young and that how I however I affected the game was stealing the ball, guarding somebody, taking a charge. You know, unfortunately, you know sometimes you you know outside, but you know, you don't want to do that, but you got to figure out how to affect the game. And, and being tough 
tougher than what a, a normal 11 year old is you have to do because man these dudes 17 16 they ain't looking at you to like win no basketball games they're like man chill your ass off the court like but if you're doing something that's like yo i'm i'm there yo young boy tough you know what I mean, like, that's where my whole mentality has always been. It's like, yo, you got to do things that's whatever. You got people to say, yo, that's tough or he's tough or young boy, he can play. Like, I want him on the court because if you just out there and you're not doing nothing, like you're 11 years old, 12 years old, these guys are 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. They ain't going to push you to the side just because you ain't just because you 11 years old, 12 years old. That's that's definitely true. And you talked about it, having to play you know, with, you know, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds having to do the little stuff, I think that kind of creates the understanding and appreciation for doing what it takes to win, right? Like, you're a winner. You just do what it takes. Like, if I got to score, I'll score. If I got to go guard, I'm going to go guard. Whatever it takes to win. I think that's kind of shaped who you are as a player and who a lot of guys are as players because they'll do whatever it takes to win. Right. right. You go from Philly to Villanova to the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think a lot of people remember you and Mike Conley no. battling it out for the starting guard position for the Memphis Grizzlies. For those out there that aren't familiar, some of my younger, younger crowded listeners kind of kind of describe your journey, right? Inconventional. You go to Villanova, you get drafted in the first round. You go to Memphis, you get hurt, right? You get hurt early in your career and you end up, you know, you and Mike are battling out for the starting position. You end up getting traded. Like this, like for the listeners out there, they don't understand like how you became Kyle Lowry now, six-time All-Star. Um, Olympian, future Hall of Famer, champion, like that path and the type of mentality you had to have to overcome not only the injuries, but being traded. I would tell you a real quick story. Not even, I'm just real quick, literally, freshman orientation, right? You know, freshman orientation, I got to, you know, the freshman got to be there. And I was so hard headed. I said, no, I ain't going to freshman orientation. We had a street league game at 12 o'clock, playoff, big time, you know, literally. I go and I think like, Game was at 11. We played at 12 o'clock. I had to be on campus at like 1230. I'm in the league. I tear my ACL. Plan. Nobody like tear my ACL before I even went to so be on campus. Tear my ACL. Whatever. I go to school and then, you know, like people don't know. I came back in two and a half months. Had surgery September 28th. I was back on the court December, you know, whatever. December 1, a little bit before, right after Thanksgiving. But, you know, my freshman year, I didn't, you know, ups and downs. You know, I was, you know, inconsistent. Because you're a freshman. You know, I play at, you know, all juniors and, and sophomores who were playing, you know, um, Randy Foy, Mike Nardi, you know, Alan Ray, you know, those guys, Curtis Sumter. And I didn't have the, I didn't know. And then I saw Curtis Sumter, unfortunately, towards ACL, I, my freshman year in the tournament, you know, whatever we go through that, he comes back, you know, I start for the four guards thing, start, we lose to North Carolina. The next year we, in, uh, like preseason, he tears ACL again. Coach is like, yeah, we just gonna play the four best players, four guards, you know, we kind of just roll with it. Go to Memphis, get drafted, you know, 24 pick, you know, you know, not too high, you know, that 24 that, you know, it's not really like, oh, he's going to be this. It's like, hey, he's a solid player, you know, team the year before team was a playoff team. Um, they had high hopes, aspirations, you know, but that year I like 10 games in, I think I had a great, great game against the Magic. Got a dunk, you know, my first career NBA dunk. You know, people don't know. I had a couple of dunks in my, you know, I got a couple of dunks in my career. Uh, people don't need, you know, you know, we could pull up the highlights one day, you know, show them real quick. Um, but then we went to Cleveland and back to back, broke my wrist. And, uh, you know, I was out the whole year. And then it was crazy because people don't know, like the NBA is a real life business. So I'm going to Memphis. They say, hey, you know, we're having a draft party. You know, they want to pay me a couple dollars to come interact with the fans. 
draft comes, number four pick, the Memphis Grizzlies select Mike Conley. I'm like, shit, is that a point guard? Okay, all right. Okay, whatever that fit. You know, I got to, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a hater. I'm like, yo, I got to, whatever I got to do to try to, so my, my second year was kind of my, you know, whatever my, and then Mike's rookie year, we were close. Me and Mike are still close to this day. And we basically pushed each other and battling with Mike every single day, you know, we kind of made each other better. Neither, neither one of us were shooters, right? We, we couldn't really shoot the balls like, like we are now. Uh, we were both trying to just, figure it out. I mean, I'm 19, I'm 20, he's 19. We just kind of, you know, figuring things out, but going through that battle. And I remember we had a coach and that coach, uh, to this day, I don't like that coach. They just don't like him. Don't like, I don't care. I don't like him. A lot of don't like him. And I was going into, we had Damon Stoudemire, Damon Stoudemire, Mike Conley and me. And we went into training camp and I felt like I had a great training camp. Play my butt off. I remember Coach came to me. We were in Spain. He was like, yeah, Kyle, you're not going to play um, these first couple preseason games. Damn. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you go through a whole summer rehabbing, get your wrist, your body right, your mind right. And that hurt me so bad. And like, damn, this is this is crazy. Like, and it's a business because, you know, you got to play Damon Stoudemire. He's Damon Stoudemire. You got Mike Conley who's the fourth pick. Mike's the fourth pick. So he's going to play. Things end up working, playing, we end up losing a game, but coach ended up playing me anyway, and I kind of changed the game. And the one thing is like that comes from all that is like I always say, like, everything's not meant to be perfect for you, but you gotta find a way to be effective no matter what. I came in a game and I changed the game. And ever since that, you know, that year, you know, we go back and forth, and then I remember it because it was such a close battle. You got the number four pick. They're like, yo, we gotta make this work. And I'm, I love Mike. Me and Mike talked this day, and like I understood it. And I remember the coach came and was like, yeah, Kyle, um, you're going to be the backup. Mike's going to be the starter. You're going to be backup. And I was playing like four or five minutes a game, maybe seven. And I remember it like it was like mentally disturbing. I'm like, yo, I'm 21 years old. I'm just like, I know I can play this game, and you're not given a chance because the business is the business. And you know, CJ, it's the business, right? And Basically saying all that is like, I, I never put myself, I never put doubt in myself. Like, yo, I was, I would, after every game, I would shoot, I would run, I would work out on the court, half court. You know, I would like the what guys do now. I was doing that in 2007, 2008. I was working out on the court after games. I was doing that because that was my only time to get my coach there, you know, the coach to stay and work me out. So, and like all that stuff just continues to just, it just built character to say, yo, just, you know, things ain't gonna be perfect. But you got to stick with your guts and know and believe in yourself. You talked about not letting doubt creep in. I think I've gone on the record, you know, saying that you have to have irrational confidence to succeed in sports. You come into the league, you have some injuries. They draft the the number four uh, pick, Mike Conley. I come into the league at rookie transition. Right, I'll never forget it. I'm sitting at rookie transition. And the alert goes off on my phone. And the Portland Trailblazers have traded for Mo Williams. I was like, oh. <laughs> right. Like, like yo, I, thought, I, thought, I thought I was going to be the backup, too, or the backup one. You know what I'm saying? You just never know what type of curveball is going to come your way. But it's all about how you respond. And speaking of responding, you end up signing an extension. You end up signing an extension. 
right? Mm-hmm. You get traded to the Houston Rockets. I, I got traded. I got traded first. Then I signed. I went to free agency and signed with. I signed with Cleveland. Yo, man, I'm signing with Cleveland. Ah, cool. Hello. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to Houston. We're matching it. <laughs> it, was like, it was like that. I was like, all right, cool. Like, but yeah. So I signed my. I signed a four year deal with uh, Houston. And. That will be the first of many big boy extensions. You had some time in Houston, right? And you end up kind of evolving, game evolved. And I think a lot of people, and we're going to talk about this, don't feel like there's a lot of NBA, like high quality talent, right? I think what I've told people all the time is that one through 15 can really hoop, but one through five get the most opportunity and the most chances to play through mistakes. How important do you think it is for not only yourself, you know, early on in your career, but for young guys to have an opportunity to play through mistakes and like what that means for the career trajectory. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, as I go back to my earlier self, I didn't get a chance to play through mistakes. I was like, nope, because the NBA, it's, the NBA is so different now. Like I've been through the changes of everything. Like that three-point stuff that people are doing now, I came in it was, when it was two chats to rip Hamilton to come out mid-range. Like that's what I, and, and, and basically it's like, these younger guys, they, they the opportunities that they have are big because they have to be able to play through the mistakes because they're going to make the mistakes. It's about repetition, right? right? CJ, you it. when you work out, I'm sure you do your Tim Hardaway jump shot about 20 times, right? It's repetition, repetition, repetition. Right. And even though the games are important and you might make mistakes, but you have to get those repetitions. You have to get put in those positions to be successful because you need those reps. And even when you in practice, like, you know, you need those reps. You need the first team, the first five to be together because they got to get the reps. You need the second five to be together because, you know, you get the reps. Yeah, one through 15, who? People will be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll bust his ass. Yeah, no, nah, you ain't. Number 15 in that roster, he, he going to give you a bucket. <laughs> he can who? And the opportunities that, you know, you have to get those repetitions because if you don't, you won't have a feel for the game. You won't be able to, you won't be able to make the mistakes. You have to have people, you have to let these kids make mistakes. You have to have let players make mistakes because they won't get any better. They won't learn from the mistakes if you're yanking them right away. If you say, oh, this guy can't play. Oh, let's get him out. Like you can't do that. It's not a good feeling. It's, you won't get a player better by yanking them off the court because they're not getting an opportunity to grow. No, that's facts. And I think that's what I've told a lot of our younger players. It's like, be patient with yourself. Don't put too much pressure on performance. Just really take advantage of these practices. And when you get those chances in the game, don't worry about makes or misses. Worry about being in the right spots, understanding the plays, concepts, and the and what the coach is trying to execute defensively. And you'll you'll figure the rest out later. I had I had this thing on my phone. I had a you know, BlackBerry. I had a BlackBerry. And I had a conversation. I remember that. I went to Spain. I had dinner with Damon Sotomayor. And uh, I had put it on my phone on my screen. It was like, stay patient. And I had Biggie because, you know, that was his name. Everybody know Damon Sotomayor. It's Biggie. And I just put it on my, like, you know, Blackberries, you could type a little message. So I had stay patient and from Biggie. And that was my message to myself from the day that I, when I told, when I had a conversation with him my second year until, like, I got rid of my Blackberry. So I had that message for a long, long, long time because I was a Blackberry guy for a while. But uh, I had that message for a long time. And you're right, CJ. Like, you tell these guys, they got to stay patient. And it's not about mix and misses. It's about being in the right spot. All right, hey, CJ, 
might get beat on this play, but you got to be the help guy to help him and he can help you. You know what I'm saying? So it being, that's a great point that you made. You got to be in the right spot. Right. Which is extremely important. And you discussed it a little bit earlier. You talked about how when you came in the league, it was two chess, Rip Hamilton, um, a lot of middies. You've been able to kind of transform your game to where you shoot a lot of threes. I break down your analytics because I'm trying to get my effective field goal percentage up. So you get <laughs> you get a lot of threes, a lot of rim, free throws. You shoot middies when you have to. Yeah. You've kind of transformed your game from like coming in, you know, from Nova to now. You make your your first All-Star game at 28. And you kind of you were good early, but like I think your prime basketball years is like 28 to now. Like you've kind of kind of mastered the game, understanding the the importance of taking care of your body, how to train this summer, how to disconnect. Do you think that the path you've taken, you know, has kind of built you into who you are? Or do you think it's just getting better with age, kind of understanding the situation and being able to ma- manipulate um, the game? I think the path I've taken, and it's it's a similar situation because you, kind of, you, me and you are kind of in the point where we weren't the guy. We were back, We were off the bench guys. Right. We were off the bench guys. Like I was a, yo, come in the game and change the game guy. I was a, yo, it's you, Von Wafer. Uh, I think it was like uh, Carl Landry, uh, Brent Barrett. Like I was a change the game guy. Change the pace, pick up full court, play defense, play hard, and play fast. And the reason that has kept me who I am because I understand where I come from because I wasn't a starter. I wasn't an all-star. I was a guy just trying to figure it out. I've always believed what I could be. I always thought I could be a starter. I always believed, yo, I can be a starter. I'm a starter in this league. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pro. I always believe I can do it. But in the time that I had, my whatever my role was and my niche was, my niche was in the league, do it to that, to that effectiveness, right? So it was change the pace, play up and down. And at the time, Aaron Brooks was amazing. Like, and I, and I remember, uh, so I, I always cheered for him. Like, AB was like, yo, he was six man in the year. I, I'm sorry, most improved, hit threes, was playing. And, you know, I remember going into the, uh, the summer, I had, I, I was a Daryl Morey product. Daryl Morey, you know, everybody knows Daryl Morey product and, and, and Gerson Rosa and, uh, Sam Inky, they were analytic guys. It was like, listen, for you to be successful in our team, you have to shoot threes. And I remember Rick Adelman challenged me to like, listen, if you want to play, you got to make threes. So that summer, I just shot with Sean Rusper and worked on my game and worked on my three and worked on my three. And 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 I'm fortunate that I I, I understand that I wasn't a starter until like year six or six in the league. Six, I wasn't a consistent starter until year six, year seven in the league. And that keeps me still hungry and it's still – Ables, ables me to re- uh, relate to the guys that are not starters right now. I still have that mentality like, yo, I'm never going to look down on you because I used to be that guy. I know who you are. I know what you believe in. So I can still relate to you and I want to help you because I, I see it. Like, you know, I tell you, Fred Van Vliet is my little brother. And Freddie was, I'm like, yo, he's undrafted. He's this, he's that. But I never shitted on him. Because I'm like, yo, I'm taking you on my wing because I know what you're, I know what you're thinking, I know what you can be, and I'm still humble enough to say, yo, this wasn't too long ago. I was that bench player. I was like this, but the first, you know, what I'm saying, I wasn't, I wasn't closing games. I'm, I was able to be a good teammate, and I think the path I've taken is, is made me who I am. Because from the age of 28 to now, I still work like I'm that guy back in the day. 
I still work as hard as I am. Like, yo, I'm still proving myself every single day because I know how hard it was to get here. No, that's that's deep. And I can I can reminisce on that. I think it's funny because, you know, you, you get paid like things change, but you just stay paranoid. Like me and my brother always say, like, yeah. stay, stay paranoid because as quick as it came is as quick as it goes. And you've been in the league for a while. So you've seen how how volatile the league is with guys retiring Guy is here today, gone tomorrow, broke the day after that. And it's just, it's crazy, the cycle and the mentality you got to have to, like you said, like, even though you eat and work like you hungry, like that's, that's extremely important. And I got to, I got to interject with one, one question that I, I ask myself every day, you know, when I pull up into my driveway, did you envision your life being like this? Like, I see the watch, first of all. Um, hey, hey, hey. I see the watch. I'll cover my mouth. I see the watch. First of all, I see the I see the Patty Mayonnaise. I've never imagined this. Like I never seen it. My, my brother did, but I didn't. Right? I, I I didn't. Like right now, I'm in I'm in Las Vegas in a nice house, and and I'm 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 here training, and I'm working out, and I drive nice cars. I have nice I have nice things. I have nice watches. My kids are good. Like you know, I'm work. I'm at a point where I'm. I'm at the point where I'm only worried about generational wealth. Like I'm good. Like it's about the my, my kids, kids, kids. Like I'm. I'm building towards that. That's what I'm building towards personally. Um, so as you said, every day you pull up. To, I never imagined it. I, like never. And like the the things I would that we could talk about. I, the the amount of you know, the money you spend on certain things. You like yo. What are you doing? Like what? I would never thought about that. I remember you get twenty dollars, you get them all once, just to have you not like that. You know, <laughs> it looks like you. You know what I mean? Like it's just so. No, I, I never, never, I, I never, and I still to this day, I, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm thankful for the, for the opportunity that I've been given. I'm blessed and uh, I'm humble enough to understand that. Now that's I always ask people that like some of the stuff that we do drink wine buy nice watches this watch is appreciated by like 40 grand by the way just want to let you know that in case you want to sell it but yeah, you know, we gonna keep this for a while I got yeah. I got other ones that appreciated that, that they discontinued too you know what I mean yeah. like, you know, it's, it's investment it's, it's investment it's grown man things <laughs> chestnut checkers but I, I think it's always cool to like to hear the stories of the appreciation of what comes with the work like this this came with work like being able to drink wine being able to golf like a kid from philly like that's a good golfer like could you imagine that like that's that's a that's the the strength in progress the strength in education the strength in understanding that anything is attainable i think it's, it's important for kids to know that and to see that Before we get into your time with the Raptors, the chip, and all that stuff, I want to talk about fatherhood, right? What does it mean to you, like to 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 be the father to your kids, to be the the husband to your wife? Like the I always say, like for me, like I grew up in a single parent household. My dad was, you know, he was ten minutes up the road. But I have a better appreciation, understanding of how I want to father my children based on my personal experience. So, how have you kind of used that to be a father for your kids? So I didn't have anything. Like I don't don't have a father, never, you know what I mean? Just don't have one. Um, we're all able to be fathers, right? Right. So it's about being a dad and being daddy is like the the biggest thing is in in it's kind of hard to put in words to say this is the specific way I want to raise my kids or 
It's not about that. And because we miss a lot, I miss a lot of time with my kids. I do. Like, you know, I mean, like I'm training right now. My kids are in school and um, I miss a lot of time with them, but they know that I love them. And when I'm around them, it's all about them. And I'm not the enforcer. So everybody, I, know I am the punk <laughs> dad there is. Like, I'm, I'm, what you want? All right, cool. You want this? Okay, whatever. Like, I'm that guy because I'm not, you know, you don't want to. But I, at the same time, I understand my kids know, like, don't kill like, you know, we're going to be respectful. We're going to say thank you. We're going to say please. We're going to say, hey, may, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. May I? You know, we're going to do all that stuff because, but it, it's no specific wording to say, oh, this is how I want to be. It's, being a being a dad is the best thing I can, and has happened to my life because it's not, and this is, it's not about you no more. It ain't, it, don't nobody care about you at all. They care about your kid, your Carter and Cameron. That's what they care about. They don't care about you. Oh, where your dad at? Oh, uh, let me talk to you. Like, you know, you get a phone call, your mom, you, you know, your mom call you. Hey, where the kids at? Uh, all right, well, hi, mom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Like, no one cares about you. And that puts in the perspective that you have to make sure that you're the same way because you have to make sure that they grow up to be able to have, to be 35 years old because you don't want them to, you know, but 35-year-old man and understand that what life is and how to treat their kids and then their kids can treat their kids. And that's where like, you just want to make sure like that you can be the best father, dad figure you can be. And that's talking to them, understanding what's going on. Yeah. You know, I'm not helping with the homework because <laughs> the, the, tech, the the school has changed a lot. Oh, they did you know, during the pandemic. It really was a little bit difficult to kind of be what we doing. How do, you know what I mean? Like, so you got to have a respect for your, 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 your household. You have to have the respect for your wife. You have to have the respect for whoever is helping, you know, your, your, if, you know, it's your grandmother, your mom, your, whoever it is, you have to respect because we're not there every day. But being a dad is like, there's not words to say. This is that you just got to be it. No, that's dope. And I always ask that question because my brother has a one year old and you just kind of see how his mentality has shifted, the time commitment of it all. And they say like, you haven't experienced like true, true love until you like have your own child and hold your own child. Like they say, that's the, that's the difference. I'll die for my kids. Like I'm just like, not had to be dark or anything, but like I'll die for my kids because they're just everything. That's the truest love you can have. Oh, that's, that's beautiful, man. And transitioning to your time in Toronto, right? You're the legend, right? The man, the myth, the legend. Getting your jersey retired will be the first one. Um, talk about your connection to that city. And then let's just gently discuss the roller coaster of emotions that you've probably gone through, having played there for most of your career, the success, the championship, to transitioning to the Miami Heat. Yeah. Uh, with the city and the country, you know, people, it means everything to me is because uh, my oldest grew up, my, my, both my kids now have like literally grown, they've grown in Toronto. That's all they knew. So that's home to them still. You know, it's probably like somewhere where I play, but yeah, that's like all their friends are there. Um, everything like that has happened in my life to the highest of the basketball accolades, you know, has happened in Toronto. I mean, all my all-stars my gold medal year, my championship, my all NBA, like all the rankings and first, whatever, dra- jersey, like it means everything to me. And there is not, 
there's not anybody that could tell me any different to feel any different. Oh, yes, yeah, Canada, it don't matter. It's home to me. It's somewhere that I became a man, man. I've become who I am. I've become the, the person that is able to kind of talk to you or, or about life on this podcast, about basketball. It's about, it's, that's where I've grown to become that person that I am now. And I was there. I mean, we played one year in Tampa, but to be a part of that organization and be a part of that country and that city means the world to me because I wouldn't be here without that opportunity that I was given and that 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 chance, that chance that they gave me, right? And you said it, opportunity is key. How you get that opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, and you took full advantage of it and, and, and did what you were supposed to do and more, delivering a championship in 2019. Like, I, I watch... You know, the finals most years, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to watch because we ain't been there. But I watch it and I see the appreciation like of a player like you who gets a chip, like what that means, you know, how emotional it is because of the sacrifices, what went into it, the self-doubt, the long days and nights away from the family. Like I, we've all lived it, but just only some of us win a chip. So like walk me through. When the confetti, when the confetti drops, right? Like what's the what's the emotion kind of going through your head from that sense? And then just talk about, you know, Toronto as a whole, because Toronto's top five. So Toronto, peak championship mode, Toronto, after the confetti drops. Unfortunately, fortunately, we won on the road. If we were on game five, we probably just we probably wouldn't have got out in the building until like 10 a.m. the next day. Because it was crazy. I mean, y'all seen Jurassic Park, but even when we lost game five, going home, it, I couldn't get out the tunnel. It would still took me, it took me like two hours to get to get out the tunnel, even when we went to East Conference Finals. But when the confetti dropped in in, in, in San Fran and in, in, in Oracle, I'm gonna say this and like just take this and people take this as it is the greatest high besides your kids. It's the greatest high that you ever have as an athlete. And the crazy part is, only thing I could think about was how do I get back there? How do you get that feeling again? Right after. It's like, yo, I can't, this feel. how do you, how do you keep this feeling? Like, I want this feeling, like, and, and it's not, it's not, it's just like, yo, how do you get back to that feeling? Because, man, you, you're not supposed to be here. We ain't supposed to be here. Oh, yeah, this kid from North Philly, you know, Toronto Raptors, the Canadian team, they can't get no player. They can't do this. They can't, everything you possibly can't do, we did. And shout out, you know, give shout out and credit to Masai and for making the trades that he did. You know, you know, one of the trades kind of hit me a little bit personally, but, you know, it's still his business and, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You still got to show up to work. But when that, when that ball, when the, when I caught the ball and stuff, you know, shout out to the half court and I caught it, it was like, yo, this is crazy. We really champions. And guess what? They ain't never, ever, ever going to take that away from me. I got that ring. And it wasn't a mistake. It was a, it was, and, and the greatest part about it, and CJ, and then you guys were close. And when you guys lost the West Conference Finals that year, it's the journey that you remember the most. It's the journey of, all right, you know, this is training camp. And then, though, this is the first couple of games. And then, this game, oh shoot, remember that? And then it's the, oh uh, man, we you know we ain't turning in the right way. Oh shoot, we then we doing this. Oh damn, we made a trade. We made it. We had a big trade. And then you get to the playoffs, and the, the greatest part about it is when we were in the playoffs, and we had great vets, great vets, and 
you didn't know what day it was. I had no idea what day it was. And you know, Toronto's cold. It's freezing. Unbelievable. Like, so it's May 15th, May 30th in the playoffs. No one, everyone's coming in, coming to get their work, coming to get their work. We go on in, we watch film, we do our thing. And then we, and that was like the greatest thing about it is like everyone stayed together and stayed like packed in. And like going back to the parade, no oh man, like it was like four million people. Good parade. It was four million, four million people, through whatever it was, or three, three, whatever you want to say. The parade was set up. You know, you, you know, university is like six streets. So it's like big, it's like six, three lanes on each side. We had one lane because all the people just crowded that close. So we had one lane that everybody rolled. The parade was five and a half hours <laughs> because we couldn't get, we couldn't move. You couldn't like literally. So the cops had to like kind of move people to the side. We had one lane on a six lane street and it's not just, and this is the part about it. It's like, you know, Toronto is top five in the top five NBA cities. There is like clean, perfect. It's just beautiful. People are amazing. Fans are crazy. Just great restaurants, great food, great nightlife. Don't forget that this is still a country. There's one team in the country of Canada. So we ain't just win for Toronto. We won, we won for Canada. And Canada is not small. <laughs> Canada is a, a large nation, 35 million people. And we have four million people there. That's wild. That's that Very. perspective is wild. You played with obviously Demar. Shout out to my guy Demar, cold blooded, like quiet assassin. You played with Kawhi, another like quiet assassin. What type of personality did you have to take on, you know, with, with two, you know, quiet assassins? You know what I mean? Like, what type of personality did you have to take on from a leadership standpoint? And how was it coexisting and playing alongside both of them? Two very good players, but like, you know, they 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 more loud in private. Like, I didn't been around DeMar. More loud in private. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody know DeMar is my best friend. It's my guy I talked to. We literally talked last night. We talked, I talked to him today. Or he just called me. I call it back. Um, so Demar is um, let's go let's let's let's, let's you know I'll, I'll go back to Demar because it's more it's with, with Kawhi, you know you don't really have to you kind of take on his a little bit because he's so quiet and he's so just kind of like you know stay in the moment, stay right here. You know what I mean? Like he was just like focused on you know he knew you know yeah he. Sad as he, he was the originator of load management. So, and, you know, Alex McKechnie, shout out to Alex. We started load management. I don't care what nobody said. We, you know, Pop started it, but we called it load management. But we knew what he was going to play. We knew, but he was just like, you know, that guy was like, you know, Kawhi rubbed people the wrong way because of how he operates. He's like, yo, you know, give me the ball. I'm going to get it done. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna get it done. And he rubs people, you know, hey, you know, you might be like, why? I'm open, but he like, ah, I'm gonna go get his bucket. You know what I'm saying? Like he, <laughs> but you you understand that he's the he's the best basketball player on your team. And you gotta make sure you big dog gotta eat. You know what I'm saying? Like right. big dog gotta eat. At the end of the day, big dog gotta eat. 
we give you the ball, you do your thing. As long as we win games, we all good. So the personality, I didn't take, I just, my, my role just changed because the year before I had to score a little bit. My role just literally changed. I just went to straight. He was averaging 24, 25, and, and we had other guys around, Marcus O, Danny Green, Freddie was coming to his own, Pascal was coming into his own, we had Serge. So my scoring went way down, but my assists went up because I knew that I had to make sure that big dog ate, right? But I also still had to make sure that the other guys ate too. So, I mean, I'm not really necessarily worried about me. And that's going back to that being a bench player. I knew how to, all right, you know, big dog got to eat. Like my other guy's ready. You know, all right, whatever happens to me, I don't care as long as we win. So I took on the role of, you know, just more of a old traditional point guard. With DeMar, me and him just kind of, we clicked because he's like, you, you saw in private, he's a different person. In public, <laughs> you'd be like, ah, you know, he's a little quiet. But in private, yeah, he, Talking your head off. Like he's, he, I mean, he's himself. And um, the role that you take, we took me, it wasn't a role with us. It was just like we became brothers and we fed off each other. And like there was many a games where, like, I ain't gonna lie, we used to come, love coming to play y'all. Like we, when we played Portland, uh, we gotta have a good night. Cause if we don't have a good night, we're gonna get embarrassed. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we, we cause I think that one year, the last, like those three years, we were the highest scoring duos. And I mean, maybe Clay and Steph was in there. Like we were all like me, you guys were like 51. We were like 49, 50, 41. And Steph and Clay was like 48. So it was like, yo, you gotta, you know what I mean? Like, and we just fed off each other. But there's many nights where I go to him like, yo, bro, nah, I ain't got you. Just hold me down to the second half. Just hold me down. And he'll come to me like, yo, bro, this, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm warm up. Let me take over the first half, you know, and, and it wasn't like a role that we, I took on. It was just like, we had that feel for each other. Like, all right, he ain't got today. He got, um, I, you know, you chill. Like, I got you. Like, you know, you make a couple jump shots, you be point guard, but it wasn't like a specific type of role. I was like, ah, it was just like, we knew each other. You know, we went, Easy Grounds Finals, we won many and many games together. And so we just had that feel for, for each other. And our and our friendship off the court helped us with the, the way we hooped on the court. And I tell people all the time, we've, ne- we've had one argument uh, ever. And I mean, like, you know, teammates argue and they have, we had one argument on the court and that was it. But other than that, because we were so close off the court, anything that, anything that happened on the court, we would discuss it in ourselves we ate dinner every night we talked on FaceTime even when we wasn't around each other and so it was just like you know the dynamics of those two they're very eerily similar even off the court people don't think Kawhi is different off the court uh, I haven't seen Kawhi off the court you got those guys they're, they're very eerily similar so you know I, I, was, I was fortunate enough to play with those two and I'm happy I was able to be blessed with those two talents no that's dope and I think what people don't understand or may now understand is that when you have that respect level off the court, it makes everything easier on the court because like me and Dean, like I can curse him out or he can curse me out. And it's not like, there's no malice. It's like, this is what we need to get done. And I know I can talk to him a certain type of way and he can talk to me because we got the rapport to where there's no, like I can be like, yo, I'm about to go to, uh, to bamboo sushi and get some sushi. <laughs> like, and then he pulling up. Yeah. It's just like, you're my brother. Like, yeah, it's not, it's nothing. It's no, it's, you know, we on the court. That's just one thing. But off the court, you're my brother, no matter what. Right. And that accountability is what can take you to that next level and uh, the level we all hope to, to one day to see because I for sure need to feel what that high is talk about for sure. You want, you're going to want it. Like, it's all you care about. It's all you care about. Having, having dreams about it as we speak. Looking at the situation, obviously you go from championship 
you guys end up having some some trades, some things happen. You you kind of turn into a rebuild. As a guy who's involved in trade rumors, you know, yearly, uh, I can I can I can yeah. speak to what it feels like for me. Yeah. But how did it feel like for you this season, kind of going through the the swirling trade rumors after kind of establishing a legacy, a presence there in Toronto, and then uh, eventually signing with the Miami Heat and a signing trade? Yeah, it kind of. Uh I was, like you said, like, you know, today you, you earn the respect of your organization where they talk to you about a lot of things. Masai kept Bobby Rush, they kept in the loop with everything. And we had an open line of communication with what was going on. And I was in trade rumors before, so I kind of knew what it was. And it wasn't like, okay, but it went on the deadline. It was real nervousing because I was like, yo, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, we were on conversation, but it's like, all right, Kyle, you got to pick where you want to go. Do you want to go here? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go here? And that was the opportunity that that was the that was the respect that they gave me for being giving them nine great years of service. And it was like, yo, like honestly, I, I said it early in the year. I was like, yo, we're to rebuild a little bit. Mark had left, Serge had left. The year before a bubble year. We had a good season up, you know, then a bubble and we lost to Boston. And then this year we were re- we were displaced. They were in Tampa. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool to go home to Philly and you know, go and maybe get Miami, whatever. And, and all that stuff, but I, I had made a like a decision. Like, yo, man, I ain't gonna lie. I don't want to. I don't want to be traded. I don't want to like leave my guys. You're right. I still want to let me finish this year out and 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 being with you know. Let me enjoy Freddie. Let me enjoy OG. Let me enjoy Pascal. Um, you know what I mean? Let me enjoy Chris Boucher. You know, another year. Let me enjoy you know Norm before Norm got traded to you guys. Let me enjoy being around these guys. You know, for another full year because. These guys have—I've watched them grow, and it's a big—it's a—it's a—it's a—it makes my heart feel great to see those guys be successful. Freddie got paid, Norm got paid again. Shout out to Norm. Y'all gotta make him pay for dinner. You know what I mean? Like at least once. Like oh, he come. I told him. I said, look, man, I showed you where to drink at, where to go eat at. (laughs) Now. You gonna take me? <laughs> I'm gonna order the most expensive wine there is. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, you know, hopefully it's your wine. You know, you make them buy your wine and make it be expensive. You know, we'll get back to that, you know, TJ. And you know, Pascal, OG, all those guys got paid, and I was like, you know, it, but it didn't bother me because I had a, a literally, I had a, a, a clear, open line of communication with our organization, and that's that's a great respect that I have for those guys, and they've had for me. Um, and then you know, this summer. You know, I kind of knew the direction. Like I said, I talked to those guys. I knew the direction that Toronto was was heading in or what they were going to do. And they're not trying to tank or anything. They're just going to, a you know, a, a situation where those guys are younger. Um, you know, they let these guys, you know, take the reins. You know, Freddie's going to be a great player. He's going to be an all-star. Um, you know, OG's going to get better. Pascal's getting back from his injury. They're going to continue to grow. And for me, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's only championships or bust. And um, going to Miami, that was a situation where, you know, I was like, listen, I feel like this is what they want to do. I have a close friend in Jimmy Butler there. Um, and I feel like Miami, you know, that's what they want to do. You know, it's about winning championships. If you're not playing for championships, what do you plan for? And that's the only thought process that goes in that went into my, you know, my, my free agency is where do I go to become a champion? Where do I go? I feel like to become, to have the opportunity to become another champion and get back to that high. And it, it was definitely emotional. It was definitely, you know, still that roller coaster of like, damn, like I really ain't going back to Toronto. I ain't going to have my passport all the time. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And you know, nine years in one place, it's a long time. 
you, you, you got a lot of, lot of ties. You have a lot of friends. You have a lot of stuff to pack up from your houses. Like you got a lot of things that has to be, you know, kind of, you know, and for my kids, even like the first day of school, <laughs> y'all, this, y'all, cause I was in Canada, my kids were in school. My son was like, yeah, they did this thing where they all stood up and put their hand over their heart and they were saying some words. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's different. It's like, oh, it ain't no more old Canada. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the Pledge of Allegiance, right? And you know, our, we try to teach, right? but that's what they're taught every day. So you got to get used to, you really got to like, oh wow, this is really real. So like, I'm still not fully, you know, you know, I listen to Toronto's got my heart and, but I'm preparing to play for you know the heat and I'm ready to go like you know I, I said this and listen Toronto's blessed me and they will always be my they will always be home and great friends there you know I always you know shout out to my boy the boy Drake and you know he got that uh the album coming out I can't wait um but you know they all the whole city the whole country is treating me like family and I appreciate it You brought it up, so I have to revisit it, the Drake situation. But first, Miami, you go from Toronto, great situation, nine years, championship was great. I always say they got top five gene pool. You go then (laughs) to Miami, you know, another, you know, arguably top five city, (laughs) all aspects, top five city, great ownership, great leadership. You got a, a Portland native at the forefront and uh, the head coach. You know, he went to UP. Shout out to Spo. And you got Jimmy. You got Bam. You got a really good team with a really great chance to win a championship. But you also like to golf. So before we go into the boy, what type of golfing are you going to get done out there in Miami? I don't know, man. Listen, I, I heard they work at eight workers down there in Miami. So I don't know. I mean, I, I got to see. But it works going to work. I'm going to put a simulator in the house and I'm going to get a lot of golfing. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna get golfing. I'm, I'm a, listen. My my tan, my farmer tan is uh is sharp right now. I, I plan on consistently having the farmer's tan all year, just so people know. Like you know, I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna do basketball comes first, but that farmer tan has to stay has has to stay there because it's good for my mind. Can't be worried about basketball all day, twenty four seven, three sixty five. Like I need that that I need that chill time. And as you know, you know you you might go to your vineyard and, and go you know pick out some grapes or whatever, go pick a couple grapes. You know what I'm saying? That's that, you know, I, I ain't about <laughs> I got a, listen, I got a bottle in the crib. So don't worry about the bottle. In the, I got a bottle in Philly. So it mean like you need that release. So yeah, I plan on playing some golf and, you know, if, you know, Spo might curse me out a couple of times, but hey, listen, I'll take, I'll take the curse out if I could. You curse me out? All right, curse me out hard as hell. I got a tea time. <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. We're going to get into some quick some quick hitters before I let you go. But first, best Drake story. And a lot of people out there don't know Drake, right? Like you have a obviously a unique relationship with him. But I tell people all the time, like Drake is sincerely like a really nice guy, like super laid back, like super friendly. Best Drake story. And then I see the I see the, the faces you're making right now. Give me give me some. Fans out there want to know, right? They don't. They don't have this perspective that you have, you know, kicking it with Drake, hanging out. I will. I will go on record saying that he has bought us 1942 shots before. So shout out to Drake for looking <laughs> out on the drinks. But best Drake story, and then a little insight into this Lover Boy Three, because I know that on the low you probably already got it. 
No, listen. So the, the, the things you're saying about I'm not going to take up Lover Boy. Anyway, go talk about that. Uh, yeah, but he's and this is the he's Canadian through and through. They're nice people. Canadians are nice people, and when I say like, he really is a genuinely nice person. Like he's literally like the nicest person in the world. Like he's really like you know what I mean he's Drake, and I don't look at him as like. Because he's a friend of mine. He's a he's a he's a close associate of mine, a friend of mine. I call him a friend. I can call him and pick up the phone. We could talk, whatever. And um, we had a playoff series. And uh, this was like I think it was just the Pacers. He was like, "Yo, me and he had, he had me and Demar. So Drake got all type of cars. So he had uh, I think he had put out a video out. It was like, "Yo, I need to, we need to see that Rafe. He had a Rafe and a Dawn." They had a Rafe and a Rose Rose, Rafe and a Dawn. And we're like, yo, we need, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's up? Let me, let me, we playing around, driving. He's like, all right, cool. Y'all win this game. They're going to be waiting for y'all right now, right there. I'm like, what you mean? It's like, just win the game. So we end up, I think we end up winning the game. Game seven, the patient was close, whatever. He comes in the locker room, throws us the keys. And we like, he's like, yeah, take them. Don't even worry about it. Just take them. So... <laughs> I'm like, what you mean, take him? So I got a $350,000 car, and I ain't never had a car that expensive. DeMar got a $350,000 car, and we come out, and he has this thing where he has all type of $2 bills. He's a $2 bill king. He had $2 bills smeared against the front windshields of just the cars, and just like, yo, yeah. Like, so we, we, we in a Rolls Royce, I'm in a Rolls Royce, he in a Rolls Royce. I'm like, yo, my insurance ain't gonna cover this. I ain't never had a car like this one. So this like, like like four days later, I'm like, I'm getting kind of nervous. Like, yo, I can't keep driving this car. I'm like, yo, dog, like, yo, hey, uh, what you want us to do? Oh, oh, yeah, well, I'll get it from y'all. The man ain't get the car for like two and a half weeks, three weeks. We had his car for three weeks and he didn't care. I'm like, yo. I stopped driving it. I, I literally stopped driving the car. Like, you know how, like, to feel where a man gives you his car and it's a 300000 400000 whatever the car, I don't know. And he don't, he's not even worried about the car. <laughs> That's he, a different level of comfort. Yeah. Then, like, you know, we win the championship. He's like, yeah, we're going to put y'all on Air Drake and we're going to fly out here. We're going to do this. I'm like, yo, bro, this man got his own 767. Like, you know what I mean? For, for people listening, how big is the 767? I've seen the pictures. Oh. Like, that's like the team plane, right? Like, the size of the team plane. So, you walk on, and I'm just, you walk on his bedroom right there. You walk on, you walk on his bedroom right there. And you just got this massive, like, area, big circle, couches. No, there's no setup. Like, usually I'm in a chair like this. There's none of that. There's all couches and layouts and this and that. You got big, like it's huge, massive, right? Then you go in there, you kind of walk back. It's three bedrooms, bedroom here, bedroom here, and the bedroom. I slept in one of the bedrooms back from Vegas. Uh, like I slept, I slept, I needed some sleep out of the championship. I, slept, I was tired. Then you go in the back, then there's like big chairs like this, like for like the security these guys. And you got a bar back there. In the 767, you have to have a crew of nine. Or no, sorry, probably you have to have three pilots. And then like six or seven flight attendants serving whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. Tables everywhere, drinks everywhere. He, he, he just redid it. You know, he got mood lighting in there now. So it's like, yo, he got his own team playing. Like he, he got his own team playing. Like there's no, 
Yeah, we we on to, like yeah yeah we taking the seven six seven that that video where you see the dude drive, that's his plane like, he's on that it's it's not it's crazy I you know you probably a seven six seven probably had hundred fifty people on there it might be like four of him <laughs> four of his peoples gosh Tyler the Drake that's it's it's really levels to this lifestyle before I let you go I got to get into a few like quick hitter type questions um, gonna start with who are your top three most difficult guards to face in the league. I'm gonna go with your 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 backcourt mate Dame because you never know when he's gonna shoot the ball, how he's gonna shoot the ball. Facts. You just don't care. I'm, I'm gonna go with Russ. Like Russ ain't stopping. Like he's going a thousand miles per hour and he ain't stopping. And you just you're he's not stopping. So uh, Russ is up there, and then you got you know light skin. No. 30, you know, it's light, just light skin assassin, light skin assassin, baby, whatever you want to call him. He got beard now, so they baby face, you know, you got, you know, it's just it, CJ, you understand it because you're chasing him all over the place and he never stops moving. And he might, you know, how he might do, he might get about a dream on and like this little, little try to do. And then you look up, it's a screen hitting you and you get in screen hitting the three. And it's just like, there's no type of you know, conscience. It's just, all right, whatever, I'm going to get this bucket. Facts. No, I could, I had to guard him in way too many playoff series, so I already, I know what type of time you want. Next question. Who is the most slept on player in the league? Well, it used to be you. Um, <laughs> you I mean, to be honest with you, it used to be you, and um, I can't give you that no more because you got too many accolades. You, you, you can't be that, but I'm going to say uh, Zach Levine. Zach Levine is one I of like the most players in, in, in NBA. He's an all-star and all that stuff now, but like people don't understand how good he really, really is. I like Zach a lot. Big year for him. He's gonna be playing next to Debo. They got a they got a nice little situation over there in Chicago. You know, I heard he played golf, so I'm gonna Get about the get about the uh, easy dollars. If you could play alongside any player for one year that you haven't played with yet, who would it be? Ooh, shoot. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh well, does this count is this NBA? Because I've had an opportunity to play with them uh internationally. Mm, no, that, that doesn't count. You don't have to count that. So KD, you know, I mean, KD is, I mean, I got an opportunity to play with KD in the Olympics and uh, I think that would be one guy that I would love to, you know, in the NBA season. That's a good answer. Easy money sniper. Shout out to Seven. My guy, Seven. I told Seven to get me in the deal flow, man. Every time I read about him, they they invested in something that's 60X. Like, I'm, I'm like help me out, bro. That's what they do, I guess. That's what they do. He got a good team. Great team. Uh, what was your welcome to the NBA moment? Um, yeah, I see, I'm, I'm aging myself, y'all. It was two moments. We played Detroit Pistons in preseason. When I tell you Lindsey Hunter, if y'all don't know who Lindsey Hunter is. <laughs> Lindsey, mid-major assassin. I'm drinking the ball up. Dah, dah. I went like this, and he was laying the ball up. I'm still here. <laughs> so me or whatever, that's one. And then that same game. God. Antonio McDice oh. hit me with a... I, had a, I had definitely had a concussion. I definitely had a concussion. Antonio McDice hit me with a screen so hard because no one said, yo, screen. And Dice is built literally like a brick wall. Like, I, I turn in, I'm, boom, Phil. I'm, 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 I'm serious. I, I think I had a concussion. I know I had a concussion, for sure. Those were my Walker to the NBA moment. So anytime I got a young guy on me and that guy about to come set a screen, I'll be like, yo, watch the screen coming, the screen coming. I'm telling them, like, because that, that hurts. Because then you want to fight your big men and then just, 
you know, it's just, so anytime, you know, young guys, y'all pick me up, don't worry about it. I ain't going to let y'all get killed unless y'all do something to piss me off. Now I'm going to let y'all get hurt. Then you let them, <laughs> let them learn the lesson the hard way. I got one quick hitter series where it's either or or favorite. And then I'll let you get back to enjoying that, that hot sun in Vegas. You might, you're not getting the links this late. You're probably a morning golfer. No, I get. I, I've done my. I'm done my day right now. I'm, I got another couple workouts to. I was only four o'clock, so I got two more workouts. A little cardio, a little other stuff. So we we got time. I'm chilling today. Perfect. All right. I gotta get out to Vegas too. I gotta get my permission slip signed and get out there. Favorite TV show. Just same time out here. Um, favorite TV show. It's a, a blender between. I can't pick one because I love them both. Is uh, Bob Burger and American Dad. Add American Dad to my list. Game day routine. Um, try to use as minimal energy as possible. Have a big brunch um, around 12 o'clock. Sleep in the cha- hyperbaric chamber. Wake up, get to the arena three hours before the game. Do my warm-up, my routine. Shower, chill, and go hide from everybody. <laughs> People don't understand. Like, you really do be hiding, though. It's funny. Yeah, you, 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 teach know, you. you know where I'm at. <laughs> I, I got to find Miami. And I go hide from everybody. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to need uh, the link to the hyperbaric chamber because I need one. I got some space for it. I got the other link for you too, brother. Perfect. Yeah. If you didn't play basketball, what would you be doing? I think I would be trying doing something to help kids, help uh, help kids grow. Um, if that's teacher, um, like some type of coaching, um, some type of, um, you know, any anything in the neighborhood. I, I think I, I think my calling besides basketball is to try to help the future of our world and that's kids. That's dope. I like that. We got to get together on some initiatives too. Favorite cereal? Uh, Fruity Pebbles. Quick answer. Fruity Pebbles. Apples or oranges? Uh, oranges. iPad or laptop? Definitely iPad. PC or Mac? Tough Mac. <laughs> you left the Blackberry. Yeah, it was back in the day. Take you back to Nova. Library or studying in your room? <laughs> Neither. Uh, could I say I went home and didn't do any of it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. I can't get. I can't. I don't even know what a Nova Library is. <laughs> He's only there for uh, eight months anyway. Where I, I, I apologize, people. Y'all should go to school and get your education. I just had an opportunity to do something else. Favorite restaurant in Toronto. Favorite restaurant in Vegas. Favorite restaurant in Miami. Um, Soto Soto in Toronto. That is my spot. I love everything. About I love Soto Soto. Soto. Uh, my favorite restaurant in Las Vegas is Wazuzu inside the Encore. It's an Asian bistro and they have the best baked hand crab rolls there is. I don't care what y'all say. I love Nobu, but nothing tops this. And what was the last place? Uh, your new home. Oh, uh, Prime. Prime one twelve. You ain't got Prime one twelve. Sit up top and make sure nobody sees you. You got to go to ZZ's. Um, take that on my list. ZZ's. I'm put that on the list. ZZ's members members only. It's nice. They got some crazy wagyu. It's expensive, but you can afford it. Yeah, I got a hold on. I got a max teammate. He can afford it. (laughs) Make tell Jimmy. I said you want to go to ZZ's, and I know he likes cigars. They got a cigar lounge upstairs. Better. Best place to vacation. Depends on. Give me all of them so I can um, add them to my list. Honestly, uh, Turks and Kenko. Turks. Uh, Marbella, Spain is my favorite place I go. A lot of good, but it's very beautiful in Marbella. Um, Marbella is how you spell it, whatever, you know, how Americanize it. Um, and I, this is my, 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 my place I would tell everyone to, to go to, to South Africa, do Cape Town, Joburg, but then take that trip to the safari. You have to do a safari. 
it is nothing more amazing than seeing a big ass giraffe or elephant standing behind you. I have a picture of him just being, I was going to the bathroom and I have a picture of me going to the bathroom with a, like four elephants standing there in their natural habitat. Nothing like it. I, I was fortunate enough to do the, we did, we was in, uh, yeah, NBA Africa that I'll, I'll I got to take my whole family back because that's, it was that's a family dope. trip. That's a, that's a family trip. That's a beautiful place to go. Favorite singer. I would say you know, back in them old school, my favorite group favorite would be the temptations. Ooh. Yeah. I know you want to leave me. They got a hell of a, um, a play on, uh, on Broadway. You should go see it. You guys, you can go see it. Broadway. You just a group in search of a David Ruffin, uh, favorite actor. Uh, Will Smith. Philly's own favorite actress. Uh, I'm not getting myself in that mixture. So we're going to skip that next. That's question. a good, good answer. Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Ooh, uh, I'm going with, uh, I'm going with, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Peyton. Well, Peyton. French fries or tater tots? Oh, French fries. Easy answer. Wow. Yogurt or ice cream? Uh, ice cream. Yogurt's fake. If you're going to be fat, if you're going to be greedy, just go be greedy. Just get the real stuff. It's true. I try to, I try to halfway, halfway my, my, th- my way through life. Last question. Kobe or Mike? Oh, I'm not even picking that one. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, I had an opportunity to watch Mike as a young child. My older brother watched the heck out of Mike. And I had an opportunity to play against Kobe. So I'm just going to say. 1A, 1B? No, ain't no one A one B. It's one. Okay, okay. It's one. Oh, I, just, I was trying to answer for you. It's one. We going ones, and that's just out. And that's like politically correct. I understand that because I don't want to. But that's really how I feel. I got opportunity to play against Kobe, and he's from Philly. Um, you know, uh, rest in peace to the big bro and everybody. You know, we all love you and miss you. Um, and Mike just is Mike. Yeah, he, I played his golf course, and he's still. He's, he's still like you. You see him on your golf course. You're like, yeah, it's Mike George still. You know what I mean? Like it's still that. I just seen my brother sent me a link. He's on a 300 foot yacht right now on vacation. One of his yachts. You know what I'm Like he, he got a fishing boat. He called a yacht. Like you know, it was MJ. It's George. Yeah, his his airness. But no, man, I I appreciate you taking the time to to share your stories, to share your testimony, to share um, your experiences. Um, I think the the people would definitely enjoy this because it was authentic. It was real. It was raw. And I don't hear a lot of Kyle Lowry interviews, so I appreciate you blessing me with one. We don't do those, bro. We keep it. We keep it tight. You know what I'm saying? Like I told you before we started, it's August, so August the time this I'm disappeared. Disappeared. Went so. I know you're a football guy. Mm-hmm. I got two games marked on my calendar. I'm going to Wisconsin, Notre Dame, because of my guy, Pat. Uh, shout out to my guy, Pat Connaughton, getting the championship. So I'm going, he's going to bless me with that one. And then I'm going to Browns, Chicago Bears, and Cleveland. Any games you're going to before the season? No, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm, uh, Lamar Jackson is uh, out here in Vegas. He plays the Raiders. Um, mm-hmm. I put that one. Lamar Jackson against the Raiders. And, uh, you know what I mean? I, I, hate the, I hate the bunch of bubble, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chicago's Bears, Matt Nagy. Great coach. He gone. I mean, we might have to take that bet just because Matt Nagy, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, well, let I, me know. Stand through and through. We're going to make the playoffs. I know they ain't got us ranked us high in top 10, but you know what I'm saying? We about to come through. You know what I mean? We're going to, you know what I mean? Fly Eagles fly. 
You know what I mean? That's what we gonna do. I don't care. I mean, y'all, y'all got your little, you know, Odell back in one hand stuff. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Ooh, ooh. Dancing all that. Yeah, y'all cool and all that, but you know, yeah, jerseys still brown. <laughs> they are brown, and you're gonna be seeing them jerseys running all over the field. <laughs> But no, nah, man, I appreciate it. Let me know what that bet going to be like, too. I need that, and I need the link. And um, I got I got the DR on my list of, of places to go to next year, but I'll have to add Marbella. Got it done for you. But no, nah, I appreciate you, brother. Enjoy the rest of your time, and I'll see you when I see you, brother. Yes, sir, brother. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with my guy, Kyle. Wishing him nothing but the best as he takes his talents to Miami. Uh, looking forward to some travel this upcoming week. I will be in Colorado for Aspen Food and Wine. So if I see you there, say hello. As always, be sure to follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend and hit the show up on social at Pull Up Pod on Twitter as well as Instagram. We're always posting fresh content all season long. Football season is here. Get your draft picks ready for all of your fantasy football leagues. I'm trying to win a title in mine. And I'm also hoping my Browns can bring us a title. So let's go Browns. Let's go Dog Pound. Let's go. And as the saying goes, don't forget to pull up.